Hello, everyone, and welcome to Classroom Chatter. Uh, this week, we have an awesome guest, someone who I hold in the highest of regards, uh, Mr. Brian Withrow. Um, I can call you coach still, can I? Yeah, you still call me coach. <laughs> that's, what, that's what I thought. I can call you coach, and it's, uh, I was fired up to, fired up to do that still. Um, but I think what you're doing in education is going to be great. And I, I want to, and I want to get into that some here later on, but before we do that, we always have our getting to know questions. Let's and, do it. Uh, probably my favorite, uh, part of, uh, part of the, the whole conversation really, because some of these questions are silly if you're a returning listener and, uh, we kind of get to know, uh, especially what kind of food you like. So, uh, first things first, uh, what was your favorite subject in school and why? Uh, my favorite subject in school was probably social studies. Hmm. And uh, I don't know, I had a, I just had a really good, I had some really good teachers uh, at all levels uh, when I was in school in, in that social studies field. And I really didn't figure out what's interesting, Zach, is I, I was kind of one of those students in high school and middle school and elementary school. I was the one that sat quiet in the back of the room and really didn't, you know, I didn't get in trouble. I wasn't a, a, uh, always the loud and asking the questions and things like that. So I was kind of set back. And, and as I, I got into high school, you know, I was, I was playing sports and involved in things. I was still quiet, but I enjoyed, I enjoyed social studies. So that's what I ended up majoring in in college. And I had a really good professor, Jim Young, who passed away just a couple of years ago. Anybody who's gone to Fairmont State, uh, they they know Jim. He he did an excellent job teaching geography, and uh, geography was kind of my passion. Uh, working with with uh, Professor Young there, and, and uh, that's what I ended up studying and, and going into teaching teaching history and geography, and uh, working my way up through my educational career. So he was a big inspiration for me. That's really awesome, and uh, I think I say it weekly, but. You know, Dr. Lewis has really, really helped me on multiple levels. Uh, and I think, especially with technology and, and with, and well, I know we'll talk about it here in a little bit about how to uh, use technology, especially in a pandemic. So if there's one professor that I had that prepared me for a pandemic, it was uh, definitely Dr. Lewis. That's and, awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. She's, uh, she's first class. She's first class. Well, thank uh, you, Zach. I greatly appreciate it. <laughs> no, no problem. No problem. Um, so here's my favorite question. All right. Pressure's on because we've had some good answers here. Okay. Pressure's <laughs> on. Favorite lunch day item and why? Oh, that's easy. Salisbury steak. Salisbury steak, mashed potatoes and gravy and green beans and a nice hot roll. That was my favorite. Still is my favorite. Coming in strong right there. That was strong. It is my favorite. Good comfort food right there. Yeah, that was that was excellent. That was excellent. Yeah. That's a no-brainer. Hey, my wife knows it. My kids know it. My kids are like, oh, I'm going to have cold lunch on Salisbury Steak Day. And I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> are you crazy? <laughs> <laughs> I'll slap them in the head there. We're not going to do that. That's right. You can't, no, you can't do that. You can't do that. <laughs> We're not going to do that. I'll go to school and eat lunch. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. Show them how it's done. Show That's them how right. It's done. Yeah. <laughs> You gotta, this is, there's an art to that. You don't, you don't cold lunch on, on Salisbury Steak Day. <laughs> so I think you may have answered this a little bit, but I want to, I want to see if you can 
uh, see if there's a different answer. I'm always interested in learning that. But uh, who's your favorite teacher in school and why? Well, Jim Young was probably my favorite. I had some really good good teachers uh, at Nitro. I had really good teachers, um, and they are supportive. And and even I'll tell you, you know, I've learned you learn that in coaching too. You, sometimes you have teachers that are are not your favorite, and then you realize after you're out of school. Um, kind of the impact and they set a high standard for you. And I had a lot of teachers like that, that maybe at the time I didn't realize how, how important um, maybe the subject matter was or what uh, the, the expectation for me, it was probably me that I wasn't putting out the effort, but you know, I've been fortunate and I had, had good teachers and, and sometimes I had the teachers that weren't very good. They motivated me to teach and they motivated me to, to kind of have my philosophy in education and how to take, take care of the students first. And so, but Jim was probably by far, by far the most inspirational to me when I got into college. That's powerful. I mean, I, I have my select, you know, those, those few teachers that, that really helped me define my path and, and what I wanted to do. And it sticks with you. You know, a day goes by where, where I'm teaching class and I don't think, you know, what would, what would so-and-so do in, in this situation and how can I make it my own? So excellent. I'm I'm going to add on to that, Zach. And I'll tell you, a lot of people, I had somebody when I was applying for coaching jobs and they said, they said, well, I hear he's a great teacher, but I'm not sure how great of a coach he is. And I'm going to throw this in there. Coach, Coach Sneed, David Sneed, and Dave, Coach Sneed was best man in my wife and I was wedding and, and my pitching coach at Nitro. And now he's still there and he and I have a great relationship, but I, he's another one of, the teachers that I have had in my life that have really uh, inspired me. So I'm going to throw that in there. Coaches and, and those people who influence you can be great teachers, even though they're not necessarily in a classroom teaching subject matter. They're teaching you life skills, and that's so important. It's definitely right. My dad always said it best, and he told me, he said, yeah, I never understood the, the teachers who just so happen to coach, and they say they're a coach, not a teacher. Yeah. Of course, you know, you think of John Wooden. He, he referred to himself as his profession as an English teacher, not, yeah. not necessarily a coach, and he was probably the greatest coach of all time. Oh, yeah. But, you know, he always said that, you know, teaching is – or coaching is an extension of teaching. It's just a different environment, and that's all it is. And uh, I know me and you, we could probably talk coach Sne- about Coach Sneed all evening. All the time. Yeah, that's for sure. Uh, he's first class. He um, – when him and I got uh, married – uh, we actually had down the baseball field there. Yeah, he told me about that. Yeah. yeah it was, did it you guys had a COVID wedding on the pitcher's mound or yeah, home plate? Yeah, no, we did. We had a COVID wedding. He uh, <laughs> that's what he told me. And everything. My jaw was on the was on the, the yeah. dirt. I was surprised. Yeah. Uh, so did you always want to go into education? You know, I <laughs> that's something that I didn't. I was a lost soul there for a while, Zach. And it's kind of like I went to I went to West Virginia State and I, I went to school there one year and I played for Cal and Richard and I told Cal I was like Cal I, I love I love playing ball I just got to get away from home a little bit you know how that is and so I went to I went to Potomac State I majored in general just general studies and the rule was four two four so if you went from a four year school to a two year I had to get an associates which was really good because I ended up getting associates from WVU. And I met my wife there, and then it, we eventually uh, went to Fairmont State, and it kind of started leaning, hey, at this time, I've got to figure out, I can't be in college forever, I'm trying to make a career out of this, 
And so, uh, you know, what, what, how can I make an impact? And, and my wife and I both decided when we left Potomac State that we were going to go in the education program, which Fairmont has a good education program. West Virginia State has a really good one too. Um, but, you know, we decided, hey, we're going to go and, and, and get involved in, in that program and, and uh, kind of take our passion uh, that way. Uh, she went to elementary field and I went secondary education. So uh, that, that really made the decision for me. Uh, you know, I figured out my passion once I, once I got through college. And, and uh, you know, it, it's some people it, they know and some people it takes a little more time. Some, sometimes it, it takes a little guidance. And uh, for me, it was kind of guidance and patience and I figured it out. That's where I wanted to be and wanted to do. So that's how I ended up in the educational field. I'm glad you brought that up because I think it's a perfect segue into into this question. And uh, I guess to dive deeper into uh, your decision to go into education, who are some of the individuals that helped you uh, figure that out? Well, a lot of the coaches that I that I was around, um, you know, they were they were really supportive. And if you're an athlete, you know, and not everybody, you don't necessarily have to play a sport to be involved in someone that's going to. It could be at a church or it could be your you know, certain club or things you're in when you get in. And I think just being involved really helped me figure that out. My parents were supportive. And, um, you know, I just have a passion for, for helping students and helping people out in general. And I just figured that that would be a way to, that I could do that and, and I could impact other people um, in, in a way that, that I'd been impacted. So it's kind of that pay it forward, you know, and, and give back to, to what people had done for me. And, that, that sparked, sparked uh, my field in that. So there was a lot of people involved in that. Coach Nee was very, very supportive of, of that too. And, and I, my personality fit that and uh, kind of my drive. So they helped me kind of channel that into to going into that field. I certainly think you are a, a perfect, um, I, well, I'm going to say a perfect, the perfect prospect for it because I always liked how you were level-headed. Uh, I still appreciate that. I still think about that quite often. And that's how it is. I, I think of uh, when I think of the 24 hour rule, I kind of think about you because it's a very level headed, rationally minded decision. Um, because there's a lot of, you know, we, we, uh, we have, uh, I don't want to say it's, it's not a burden, but the, uh, I would say here's, a, here's the word, a responsibility to, to mold these young uh, human beings that we are around. And if, you know, we say one thing that could absolutely tear them down. I mean, we've, we've crushed their uh, future. So it's, it's a huge responsibility uh, because sometimes they may not, you know, the whole life may be a, a, a disaster, right? It, it, the yeah. possibility could be a disaster. So when we come to our classroom, it's, it's our job to, to make it a welcoming and warm environment. And uh, human beings like yourself, I think, uh, are, are heroes to a lot, of, a lot of young people because of that because of the rational minded they, they know what to expect when they come to your classroom they know what to expect and they're and that allows them to be ready to learn well i appreciate that yeah it you know and, and sometimes zach when you're like that and if you take that approach um and you're people minded and you're people first and you don't really you make you don't make decisions on emotions uh one you're going to make the impact and you're going to earn respect from the from the students that you're working with or, or just people you're interacting with in general and then the other part is, is sometimes you become criticized by your peers, which you need to, you need to stick through and be right on your philosophy of, 
of what you're going to do in life and, and how you're going to manage yourself and treat others and uh, really have that background. And, and it's, it's difficult. And especially if you're in an athletic coaching uh, position or if you're in any, in any leadership role, that leadership style uh, sometimes is not always perceived from others outside of the people who you're managing or you're working with uh, as being effective. But I think if you, you know, always try to, you always want to be who you are uh, in any role that you're in, especially when you're teaching young, young people. And if you're in educational leadership or any kind of management or any kind of leadership, that's, that's, that's my philosophy on that. And I think it's been successful to impact others uh, in that way. And then you model and it ends up being a good model for others too. That's exactly right. Uh, what you, uh, you want, if you want to start, if you want to uh, change a culture or create a, a culture that you want, you have to be first the, the role model of it. Uh, Absolutely. Excellent, excellent. One, one thing you said that's very important is to not be emotional. It's very, very hard to do. Um, and it took me some years to figure out how to really just look at the kid for who they are, which is a kid, and just remove the emotion out of it. Not that you don't care, but the reaction, I would say the reaction to their actions. Um, because a lot of times, I've said this before, students act in a way that has nothing to do with you. Um, so trying to figure out the root of why they're acting that way is more important than reacting and showing them who's boss and things of that nature so that is very important i'm happy you said that yes ma'am that's a that's a, a great a great point because my whole my whole career in education i've, I've been in rural education uh, as a teacher uh, as a, a high school administrator and then um, working at the department of education and then now what i'm doing uh, you know i've got my own business and i'm running around educational consulting and um you know the impact you have uh, on others of how you treat them and not necessarily based on where they come from or, you know, how they previously acted or and all these different factors that come in. And, you know, I used to talk to people and I'd say, Hey, especially when I was working at the department of ed and I was working on priority schools and some really rural areas in West Virginia. And, you know, and, and you, you, you pull up to the school and you see that the grass hasn't been mowed and the, the blinds aren't fixed in the windows and I'm, I'm with people who are superintendents and directors. They're, you know, they're really high up on, on the leadership board in, in, in the academic world and their, in their school district or county. And I, I just stop before we get out of the vehicle. We don't even have to go inside. And I say, what do you see? And they're like, well, I don't know. I don't know, Brian. What, what do you see? I said, look around. I said, you know, if, if the people inside and the place that they're going to school resembles a negative atmosphere that they have in their home life, their, their behaviors are not going to be conducive for one, just getting through the day without having some type of, you know, a real issue going on with them emotionally, but also how are they going to expect them to learn, uh, you know, not even get to the content of, of education, but just how to, how to operate through structure and environment and, and be good human beings, be good friends. Uh, as Coach Casto, you know, we know it as being good teammates. Um, and that, you know, that's, that's impactful. And I think that that inspires me too. And when I, when I work with, with uh, folks that are there at that level or teachers or anyone, I really stress that, you know, how you act and how you treat others really impacts that student. Uh, and it can impact them forever because you don't know. And that's the thing about education. 
it may be 15 years, 20 years, you may never know the impact you've had on students. They may catch you in Kroger's or somewhere like that and say, hey, man, I really appreciate how you treated me or how you, how you treated me, even though you know, I might not have had my homework that day, but you worked with me to get it done or you know, I was in trouble. Uh, and and you, know, you, you, you made it fair and you made it, uh, you made, made it not only a, a punitive issue, but you also helped me solve that problem. And, uh, you know, I think that's what's so impactful, how, how impactful educators have on, on students. Uh, and, and it's sometimes taken for granted and, and sometimes it's hard to understand because it's not something that's immediately fed back to you. But uh, it's, it's definitely something that drives me. Yeah, it, what you just said reminded me of uh, a good friend from, he's, he's a, his brother is the, the head coach at UCLA for the baseball team, but uh, Coach Savage from Reno High School. And they, it was his first uh, state title that they won. And uh, the principal came up to him and said, well, you won the big one. And, and he, he said, yeah, I'm pretty excited about it. He said, I think, I think I've impacted him pretty well. And, and he said, well, hold up there. Uh, wait till uh, 20 years down the line and see how good uh, husbands and, and fathers and, and professionals. That's the key. You're exactly right. Yep. And that's, that's what it reminded me of there. And, and that's, that's like you said, as educators at, at any level, um, we uh, can have an impact on someone, but we won't know exactly the impact until a significant amount of time. You know, it's silly. And even the small things you do in your classroom, you think these big elaborate plans and all this stuff is what the students remember. The first thing they remember is how you treated them and how respectful you were to them, how you listened. And sometimes that's as powerful as speaking. They're probably more powerful. It's just listening. And, um, you know, I've had students that I, when I was teaching middle school and they would, a lot of them, you know, they've been successful and some of them have come back or I've seen them in the store or whatever, and they're teaching school. And they'll remember something that, that we did in class that, uh, you know, that I would never think someone would remember, uh, but they can remember that. And they tell you, you know, how you've inspired them to, uh, to do uh, what they're doing and being successful, uh, parents and, and husbands and wives and all that. It's, it's, it's important. That's the rewarding part of it. I think that's uh, so important uh, what you just said there. And I think education, if I could, if I could boil down what a, a quality teachers, um, what, what a quality teacher is in a quote would be, you know, they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. That's a good, yep. that's a good student's perspective. And I think any teacher, if, if they want to, be a quality teacher. I think they need to live by that and, and go relationship first with their students. I think well, that's how I do everything. It's all about relationships. Um, you know, a lot of times people don't want to know how much, you know, they want to know if you care. And, and that's, that's really important uh, for young aspiring teachers or any, anyone who's been in education, that passion has to burn because your students really need, they deserve that. And they, they expect, they expect people to, to, to be there for them. If you don't mind, this is something I meant to write down the question list, but sure. if you don't mind, I'd like for you to, uh, to go into uh, education system solutions and kind of tell us, uh, elaborate a little bit more on it, if you don't mind. Yeah, sure will. So what I do is, is kind of inspired by the career that I've had uh, working in, in education. And so what, what my company does, it's me. And I have a couple independent contractors that work for me as well. But uh, what we do is, is we work with school districts uh, and I've been fortunate enough, I've worked across the United States 
uh, in, in school districts in California and Massachusetts. Um, I've got an opportunity to work in Vancouver, Canada, uh, some uh, Ohio, uh, Virginia. Uh, but really what it comes down to is providing system-wide, uh, systematic uh, school improvement support for, for the school districts. Uh, so it, it works from, from the district level all the way down into the teacher support. And it's solely focused on uh, a plan of, I don't want to say a plan of improvement, but a design plan of systematic school improvement uh, that impacts the students. So it's not adult-centered. Uh, it changes adult behaviors, which is difficult to do, but really working with the district level uh, administration and the principals on uh, climate and culture and uh, kind of setting that ground first. And I, I talk about that in school improvement and in schools in general. I use the farming analogy. You know, you can buy the thousand dollar seed, but if your, gar if your ground doesn't have the right nutrients, it won't grow. And uh, so my focus is really around school culture and climate. And then uh, after that is established, which takes time, um, then really start focusing in on the curricular changes that, that, that will benefit the students in that specific area. So that's really what we're about, what I'm about uh, and the company's about. Uh, it's a startup, it's new. So it just so happened I went full-time March the 9th and you guys know what happened that Monday after everything shut down uh, across the country. But it's been difficult. Uh, and, but I, I have had, uh, you know, Union Local School District and a couple other school districts that I've been fortunate to continue to collaborate with virtually. And then now we're face-to-face -to -face some too. Uh, and, and we did some re-entry planning and things like that that was really successful. Uh, and I think it's just taking that step back, Zach. You were talking about it earlier. And Dr. Lewis was talking about it as well a little bit. Um, you know, and you have that student in mind and how that's, how the, how that, all that planning is going to affect the students uh, and, and how their reactions are going to, you know, be and how the safety and all those things are, are, are put into the plan. But, you know, you've got groups of teachers out there and, and, and principals that are really working hard and, and they're trying their best to educate these students. They know that, you know, if students are in the building and they're getting a good education, that's, that's the best place for them to be. And, it's such a difficult situation out there for everybody, but, but, but I've, I've been working with districts trying to push through that and, and get them a good plan together and it's been successful and I've been very appreciative of, of their trust in me. And it goes back to trust and, and building relationships and that's, that's, that's what my foundation is on that. But yeah, it's been a really good experience. So uh, I've, got, I've got folks that I collaborate with all the time around special education and co-teaching um, to technology. I don't know everything. So uh, I rely on professionals uh, that I've built relationships with to, to help provide me resources or even do some work with my company, uh, you know, with these school districts. So I'm a resource grabber. I go out and get resources for folks too. And they appreciate that and they trust it. So that's, that's a big part of what, what I do as well. I really like that. And, and speaking of all of this, especially technology. Um, what are some of the educational technology programs uh, that you have seen recently or in the past that you uh, see that it's helpful in the virtual learning environment? Yeah, it's difficult. Everybody really, <laughs> they, they grasped, grasped for everything that they could try to get a hold of. Um, you know, and it, I really think 
there's nothing out there specifically that I've seen that's, hey, this is going to, you know, the magic wand that's going to really fix it all. I know uh, some school districts that I work with are using Google Classroom, uh, and they really like that. Uh, some school districts are using, using Schoology, and they, they really like that too. Um, you know, there's different uh, learning management platforms out there that people have grasped a hold of. I've got a couple colleagues that, that work, uh, they do like-minded work, um, but I've, I've supplied them some social studies, some West Virginia history uh, content uh, that they've created their own learning management system. So there's really nothing out there that I would say, hey, I'm gonna put all my eggs in a basket. I think the key is when you find a system like that or, or a platform that the, the district and the principals uh, really focus in on supplying the teachers, the students and the parents uh, with some training uh, to really support that platform. I think that makes the effectiveness of it. If you're not professionally trained and you're not continually trained and confident in what you're using, it, it really doesn't matter what platform they're using, they're gonna be lost and frustrated. And I think that's really, it doesn't matter what platform you go with uh, and, and the teachers that I've talked to and, and principals, uh, you know, they say, hey, if, if we hadn't have really supplied our, our folks, including the students and the parents, because, you know, a lot of these a lot of these students are at home and the parents are having to trouble troubleshoot through a lot of this. Um, you know, that's been a big, big help that they provided some type of professional development. A lot of it's been virtual, uh, but but they continue to do that. And yeah, I've been um, I've had some that have created like a help desk. So where the parents could call in at five, six, seven, eight o'clock in the evening if they had questions about, or the students could to about a platform issue or, or something going on, which has been helpful for school districts that have decided to go that route. But Zach, yeah, I don't really have a, a specific one that I would go with, but I think the key is the, the training and the support piece is, is so, so essential for, for these teachers to have. Yeah, I think, I think that's right because there's, there's a lot of uh, systems that, that school districts can use. But as you said, it all comes down to um, how are we teaching our teachers and administrators to use it? And then they're gonna, of course, teach our students and of course, teach our parents too. Um, and I don't think that's necessarily, you know, always the case uh, with, with some school districts. Um, and I think there's, there's, that was sort of a reason why some counties, at least in West Virginia, there was some resistance to all of this. Um, you know, why, oh, you absolutely. Know, why, do we, absolutely. why are we doing this? Uh, my kids should be back in school and, and all of it comes down to just frustration and, and really just not clear communication. Um, You're right. That's key. Communications. That, that's something, you know, that we work, I work with school districts on all the time is communication. I mean, it goes personally and professionally, you know, that's where the breakdown is, is if you're in a, any relationship you're in, you, you know, communication is the key and being clear. And I really talk with principals and, and superintendents about, you know, just because you think you're communicating via email that everybody's going to grab that platform and understand what's going on. Uh, and there's a lot of multiple ways you can communicate to make sure you reach all different types of, of people and, and their, you know, their ability to, to understand the information. And that's been the thing with these platforms and, and any of this stuff that's, that's going on in schools that, you know, you really have to have that communication piece. That's, that's a big part of it. That's part of building the culture of, of anything. It's, you know, the communication factor. That's right. That's, that's spot on. Um, I noticed in your resume talks about co-teaching and, and, and I think, um, I think we have several uh, people that are on here that, that are still uh, teacher candidates, I think at Western State University. 
And so uh, typically, whenever they go into student teaching, there's that co-teaching uh, task of it all. And oh, yeah. so what would be some of your uh, favorite co-teaching practices uh, and why? Well, I'll tell you, I have a passion for co-teaching. Um, my wife is, is a special educator and, uh, you know, a really, really good friend of mine, a colleague of mine, uh, Dr. Wendy Lochner. She's, uh, she and Dr. Wendy Morosky have kind of been a national and international co-teaching. Uh, they've they developed the seven correlates of uh, co-teaching standards and they've written a few books. So I've got a lot of co-teaching uh, professionals in my uh, my career, I guess. But as a teacher, I was a co-teacher. I was the general education teacher. And then I had a co-teacher through my middle school teaching career. Um, and I had a passion for co-teaching. I saw the power in co-teaching uh, where it doesn't necessarily just impact the students uh, with the IEP. Uh, all students are highly impacted by having those two uh, professionals, uh, teachers in the room and, uh, and really hitting all the learning styles. But going back to my favorite co-teaching style, and I really stress this, and when I work with, with folks at, at, at all levels, elementary, middle, and high school, and I've seen co-teaching, I was in a school district where they're co-teaching in kindergarten, which was pretty neat. Um, the, you, can have it, it, you can have any strategy that you wanna use, but if the co-teachers do not have that effective time to plan, and really develop develop their uh, relationship with each other, and develop that uh, planning. Uh, you know the strategies and planning the lesson, and and really understanding each other's teaching style. Uh, I think that's that's my favorite uh, tactic uh, to effective co-teaching is being able to plan effectively uh, with the co-teachers. And that's, that's tough because a lot of times principals don't want to schedule planning periods with co-teachers together. And, uh, you know, it's, it's really beneficial to the students when the co-teachers have time to plan and they can, you know, they can use the different strategies. Uh, you know, I was in a classroom today with a nationally board certified teacher and, uh, and another teacher, they were co-teaching uh, math. And uh, I, I called the superintendent, stepped out in the hallway and texted him and said, hey, this is pretty amazing what they're doing. And, uh, you know, it was just a, it was one teach, one support. And then, then the, they switched. Uh, the, the teachers just switched uh, right in the middle of the class. And uh, they were using formative assessment, thumbs up, thumbs down type uh, formative assessment. And they were immediately uh, impacting the students that needed the, um, needed the uh, support in the classroom and then if they needed some enrichment. I, I didn't get to see that part. I'm really passionate about the enrichment as much as I am the support, uh, but I didn't get to see that in the lesson. I didn't stay as long uh, to see that part, but, but I think just that dynamic, be able to plan and be able to use the different strategies. And there's so many different co-teaching strategies out there that, um, but you can have any strategy you want, but if you don't have that time to plan it together and really work together, um, it, it doesn't work out very well. Yeah, planning and uh, preparation is is paramount. No, and anything really is. We can take it even back to, to coaching. I mean, it's just so so paramount. And, and, and quality uh, teaching, I, I believe, and this is at least from, from my experience just being a special educator, is those students, if you allow them to voice their opinions or voice what they've learned and their knowledge and show that to you, 
it's amazing how much student engagement goes through the roof. I mean, it's, I have, I, I think we still have several teachers who may be having some trouble having some students getting on, but it always gets to the point with me where, I mean, I have a lot of, I have every, every student, except for a few, maybe only two of them show up every day. And so I always kind of put the ball in their court a little bit. I'm like, you know what guys teach me, you know what, what's yeah. going on. And, and so there's a little Modeling. bit. Yeah. It's a great tool. Yeah. It's yeah, a great it's, tool. It's um, you know, and they love it because they become the teacher. And well, they create, it creates ownership forms, Zach, and they, they be able to, they're able to, you know, they feel important and empowered to be able to do something. And you're building a skill set with, with them. That's not even, necessarily an academic skill set that's a life skill set that they're going to be able to take and 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 use after they you know move on and, and grow up and and uh, that's something that will really be beneficial to them and that's that's what teaching's about I know a lot of people get they get caught up in test scores and they get caught up in that and it's about teaching the whole child and it's about you know really building those relationships and, and making sure that that they trust you and that you can provide them uh, the needs that they have. And, you know, academics is, I'm not taking that away. Believe me, I'm not taking academics away, but, but it's, it's really about teaching the whole child. That that's, that's so important for an educator. And uh, those life skills like that, that you're talking about there um, is, is going to be important for them. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think it's a good segue to kind of ask you um, what is your um, favorite education theory or philosophy? And why? Man, I don't know. I don't. I think I've really I, I've talked about it. Um, you know, I don't have a specific yeah. educational philosophy as far as you know, quoting someone that I really follow or or um, you know, a study that I think hey, I'm putting all the eggs in the basket on on that. Mm-hmm. You know, I've I've, I've you know, I've studied a lot and I've been around a lot of amazing people uh, that that are, uh, you know, have impacted me in all levels. But I really, my philosophy is, you know, I, I like my whole work in education has been building relationships and building those impactful relationships. And I put the students first. And that's that's probably uh, that's, that's Brian Withrow's philosophy that I follow and it's ever changing as far as how that works. Uh, but, but it, I go right back to that every time that I'm, I'm working with anyone. When I was a principal, I looked at it as, you know, if I'm dealing with a student, how would I, I would look at them as, as if it was my own child and, uh, you know, how I would treat that student and how I think they deserve to be treated and how I would want to be treated. Um, no matter what the situation was. And I was, you know, I was at Riverside High School. I was at Huntington High School. I was at Lincoln County High School. So I got three really different um, uh, perspectives in, in educational leadership at that level. And uh, it really, it, you know, you, you earn respect and uh, by your, with your colleagues and amongst the students that you serve and the community members, uh, you know, they, when I would leave or, when I was leaving one of the schools or if, if I was still there and, and community members would come in, they say, Hey, I heard you did this. I heard you did that. You know, I never did anything for, for that recognition, but I always did it for the student and the students talk. They know when, when I go in and I, let's say I do a school review with uh, you know, we do classroom observations or interview students. 
the students are, man, they, you, they can tell you everything that's going on in that school and they're straight up honest as they can be. Um, you know, and those are the, those are the impactful things that, that kind of drive me when, when, when students talk about how, how, how you've impacted their life and you treat them well. So that's really my philosophy. Uh, you know, I, like I say, I don't discourage anybody from having a favorite, you know, someone they've studied or, or really molds them to do that. But I've just evolved myself into developing that. And that's, that's really what I stick with. And I, I think that's any young educator that that's their goal is really to, that's when you kind of find yourself in education You say, Hey, this is what I'm about. This is what makes me, uh, you know, get up and go to work every day and be successful for the students, not just for yourself. And I think that, I mean, that is so important. I'm still in a way, you know, on, on searching of that. And of course it's my first year teaching. So it takes time, Zach. <laughs> it takes time. It's a, it takes time. Um, I think this is a, it's probably one of my other favorite questions. So in your opinion and through your experiences, what separates a good teacher from a great teacher? Listening to students. I think that, that you know, you have a lot of teachers that, that like to, uh, you know, I'll just talk in classroom wise. They like to direct instruction. They like to talk. They like to, uh, you know, expect the students to immediately understand what they're talking about. And, you know, I used a few tricks that are really pretty basic. And, you know, you can do learning interest inventories with, with uh, your students and understand really how they learn and how different they learn from each other. They're not all the same. I think that separates a really great, a good teacher from a great teacher, understanding their students. Uh, being that positive uh, relationship builder and understanding and caring beyond just the academic piece separates those. Um, and putting in the time to uh, get to know those students and understand beyond just the school day about what's involved in their life. And uh, that's, that's impactful. That's impactful to them for sure. But that, that's, um, you know, because teachers work hard. Uh, and it, it doesn't come down to that. It really comes down to the differences in getting to know those students and really teaching to their strengths and, and what makes them successful beyond uh, teaching the whole class the same way. And if you want to talk, you know, differentiation and universally design learning and all those different acronyms and things that are going on out there, sometimes it's just good old fashioned understanding and building relationships and other, that other stuff will come naturally as, as you progress. But but it, it, it's all about relationships and, and knowing that the students uh, know you care is really that foundation for any educator. Doesn't matter if you've been in it 40 years or you're just starting out, uh, you got to have that uh, foundation with your students to be successful. It was, it was, a, it was really a neat experience for me getting into the leadership piece because, you know, everybody looks at you different, Zach, when you hit that leadership piece, you know, I, I had a great, I love teaching middle school, I had great success, had great students, which made me successful, which they, they were successful. Uh, but when you get into the leadership piece, it's a little different because if you're disciplining uh, either, either students or you're working with, with teachers that are, you know, you know you're trying to get them better, uh, it's almost that same philosophy uh, that, you're, that you're working with when you're working with students and you're working with teachers uh, and trying to, to get them to buy in or to uh, be the best they can be for the students. Uh, and you really have to, you have to build that relationship. I call it the love tank. You got to put so much in the love tank 
because you know there's going to be things you're going to have to take out. And it's just part of it, especially at the leadership level. Um, and you know that as coaching, Zach, you know that 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 part is is difficult. You know, you're gonna there's discipline involved and there's expectations that you have set. Um, but if you really hit that relationship piece, that any educator, that's that's my that's my number one that they need to grab a hold of and run with and really get get involved with. I totally agree. Um, you have to, I like the love tank. I think I want to think I want to take that. Take it and steal it. <laughs> and it's so it's uh it's so true, right? Because you know, and I hate uh, I hate having to you know raise the voice a little bit, discipline when things aren't going the right way. But you have to do it. But the students or or players will will be accepting of that because they know that you're doing it in, out of a place of love and respect for them and and looking out for them. It's not something. All oh, this guy's just yelling at me because you know he's angry. No, yeah. it's because. He's wanting the most out of you. He wants you to, uh, he sees what, what you can be or she sees you what you can be and they, and they, they expect you have a higher standard. And those, um, and, and when that happens, you know, that, that student or, or athlete, they perk right back up and they're giving their best right after that. And that's an excellent point. You know, when you, when you're working with students, uh, you know, and if you get into the leadership role or even in the classroom, that classroom management, go back to that classroom management is so important and I think young teachers and all teachers at different levels sometimes struggle with that and you know you really can't get into that content of teaching when you're always struggling trying to get the class under control or organizing the class to be able to to operate whatever your lesson plan was Uh, and that I think sometimes teachers get too caught up in how I'm going to deliver the content uh, more than they do with how I'm going to manage the class and uh, that classroom management, you go back to separating good from great. Um, you know, the relationship piece is always important, but really being able to manage that classroom, manage that situation effectively. Uh, and, you know, you alluded to it when we started about my demeanor. Uh, a lot of people get confused or they don't understand why. Why is he not getting upset or getting over the top on a certain situation that takes place? But sometimes when you throw that fuel in the fire, it can really uh, dismantle a classroom setting uh you know and if you can handle that piece uh uh, of discipline in a certain way without having disrupt you know you may have three students but your other 26 uh, deserve what's going on in the classroom to be successful for them you can handle those three uh in a a manner to where the others aren't disturbed and you can continue with your lesson and that doesn't mean that somebody's not going to have some type of discipline or, or something that goes on it's just how you handle that situation is so important uh, because if not, you sacrifice everyone in the classroom uh, just for a few that are that are causing disruption. And I think that's a it's a mistake that all of us have made. Gosh, I've made it. And it's difficult to recognize sometimes because if if a student does something that's uh, you know, I've had students that have said stuff to me up in front of the class and it's embarrassing and or it's disrupting. And, you know, you really have to know how to handle that uh, sometimes uh, to really keep it from escalating into something really bad uh, and disrupting the other students uh, that are, they're already somewhat disrupted because of the, the issue, but it can really dismantle a classroom and, and, and can for the future for that teacher if it's not handled right at, at that time. So classroom management's big. Uh, and sometimes teachers think, well, I've, I've been teaching for 10 years. I don't really have to worry about that, but Hey, every period that the students come in, there's a different group. 
and you have to handle each group differently uh, because they all have different personalities and different ways, different things that have happened to them. They all come with stories. I, I tell people that all the time. Everybody has a story. I think that kind of manages uh, myself as well and how I act and treat others because I have a story and so does everyone else. Uh, so figuring that out, I know Dr. Lewis was kind of, she was talking a little bit about that, um, about the personalities of students and what they've experienced coming into a situation. And, uh, you know, that's, that's so important to, to really, really understand uh, and how to treat those students uh, and kind of dissolve that situation. Because that, that does, it separates the, the good teachers from the great ones, for sure. Well, speaking of stories, uh, oh, oh, I'm sorry, you go ahead. Uh, I was just saying one other thing with management is to remember is like, especially as a beginning teacher, you go in, you're taught, teach your management, you know, the first day or week or whatever, and then you just move on. But if you see that it's not working, then you might have to, in the middle of the school year, take a day away from curriculum and work on like another management plan, just to make sure, like you said, all students are benefiting from your instruction because if you don't take that time, even if it's in the middle of the year to switch gears, you know, it, it's, it's gonna be a disaster moving forward, so. Yes, yes ma'am, that's sure, so true. I used to, I would, <laughs> I would, it was like training them how to come into the classroom. And, and you know, another thing, Zach, how students are dismissed is so important because if I'm teaching a class and I dismiss, dismiss my students that are and they're chaotic and they're running down the hall and they're getting up and they're loud. They come into to another classroom. It, it might take that other teacher, you know, 10 or 15 minutes just to, to get the students to, to be uh, prepared and ready. Even if that teacher has an excellent classroom management plan, then that's where you talk about systematic, you know, cultural change in a school. Uh, you know, if the culture in the school is that, hey, this is how our students are going to act and how we're going to dismiss, that really helps all teachers in the, in the building and, and, and benefits the students, which is the most important thing. So, so that's such a good, good point. Very good point. Classroom management is, uh, it's something I think about every day. And, and when I'm, when I'm in there, you know, how am I with this class, how am I going to interact with them? And, you know, things are, things are weird because um, the one, the, the few classes that I'm in since we're all in block, I go from one class period to having three students to <laughs> another one where we have 10 and, and so on and so forth. So it's like you said, every class is different. It's a, and, and sometimes you need to, to tone them down a little bit, you know, cause, uh, because they're, they're really energized. Either they're energized from last class, like you said, or they're excited to be in your class, which isn't a bad thing. But Oh, absolutely not. No. Yeah, sometimes it's not the most uh, conducive uh, aspect because it's hard to, to bring them back down. And, and then sometimes you have to have to ramp it back up and, and do things and, and get them invested in something that they wanted to do just to, to energize the class. Uh, but uh, one thing here that I'm, I'm very excited about because you've had a, a, a very, very – uh, great career in education. Uh, what has been your favorite memory in the educational field? I'll tell you my favorite memory, probably, probably teaching uh, and middle, teaching middle school. I started out at Sherman Junior High School in Boone County, and then I went to Madison Middle School. And I taught eighth grade West Virginia history and had the opportunity. I was I actually put together a uh, a golden horseshoe uh, kind of coaching program after school 
that I had 30 or 40 students uh, that would stay after school uh, and study to prepare for the Golden Horseshoe. And I had quite a few Golden Horseshoe winners when I was in, in teaching middle school, which was a very proud moment. But I had an opportunity to be Teacher of the Year uh, in Boone County Schools, 2011, 2012. And, you know, I, it was a surprise to me uh, to, to do that. And um, actually, your superintendent's wife was also the uh, one of the uh, finalists for that Zach. <laughs> in, in Boone County. Uh, Miss Hudson was one of those finalists. But uh, uh, so it was a, it was a humbling experience to uh, to get to do that. But it was so important because I had I had impacted so many students, and the students really made me a better teacher. And I, I was driven by the opportunity to, um, you know, to be able to, to provide them a really, a really good environment for them to be successful. And it was just something that, you know, my peers voted me on. There was not something that I sought after. And, uh, you know, I had, I, I was big in teaching with uh, project-based learning. And, uh, you know, the students really like the hands-on and you talk about classroom management. Uh, if you can formulate your lesson plans to your students' learning styles, that's so impactful, and it really cuts down on the classroom management issues that you have. And you kind of alluded to that, Zach, right before you asked that question. But, you know, that's probably the most memorable um, moment in my teaching career, and, and I was so proud of uh, the fact that the students, they were so successful. And it was a pinnacle to me that, you know, it, it gave you a little bit of uh, – feedback on the job that you had done. And then my peers recognized that. I was raised in, um, we had a project that we did. Uh, we were doing classroom, trout in the classroom, which we were raising trout. And the students were doing that. And uh, we raised them all through the year. And then we stocked them at the, in May, right before school was out, usually before Labor or Memorial Day. And uh, it was just projects like that. that that was powerful and a proud, proud for me that the students were doing that. And we were tying science in, we were tying social studies and math. And it was natural, you know, it wasn't something that we had to force in. Uh, and it didn't have to be called something or an acronym or some kind of strategy. It was just natural, uh, you know, and the students enjoyed it. And, uh, you know, they learned a lot about a different, a lot about different things. And that's, that's, that was impactful for me. That's awesome. Um, I'm kind of jealous of those students. I would have loved to have had you uh, as a teacher because that those lessons are just, that stands out to me. And I, I wasn't even in the classroom, but uh, just thinking it out, you know, thinking, thinking about it just makes me excited. I would have been fired up to have you as a teacher. Yeah, it was a great time. The parents, you know, the parental involvement was, that it was a challenge. It's always a challenge. The school district I was working in uh, the past few days, they were, the elementary school was really their concern because the pre-K through three, you know, they have a lot of parental involvement, which I thought, okay, that's typical. Usually in elementary school, you have that. But then when they hit fourth and fifth grade and all the way up through high school, you know, as you, as the older, they, they move up, the parental involvement's less, unless there's a complaint. That's what I always joke about. They always, they'll call and complain, but, but um, yeah, they, they, uh, they were really struggling with that community effort. Uh, and I, I had a good environment where I was teaching uh, to be able to, to have some of those community partners that, that were supporting what, what we were doing and what our students were learning more importantly in the classroom. And that, 
that was impactful to them and the community. They want to be involved. And I think they just don't, sometimes people are afraid to ask. And sometimes people are afraid to, you know, go knocking on doors or making phone calls or asking friends about who they know and how they could benefit their students uh, being involved. And it's not all about money. We had a lot of resources that were being provided that, that uh, benefited the students uh, in the whole school, not just in my classroom. That was important to me. And uh, that was beneficial to me and, and it made me proud to, to see that they had opportunities that likewise they wouldn't have had if those partners hadn't been involved. I like that. Uh, it's the, it's, that's so important. Um, that's something that's going to stick out with me is, you know, our actions that we do in the classroom will affect uh, the other teachers. Uh, and I think that is uh, so important. I don't think I've ever quite thought of that before or even really recognized that. And, yeah. and that's something that uh, I'm definitely, I'm definitely going to look into and, and keeping my little notepad on, you know, how, how is it, you know, how, how are they entering and how are they exiting my classroom and, and how can I improve that? That's awesome. Yeah. You know, those are the little things and it's just, it goes with anything in life. It's the little things that I'm a big Atlanta Braves fan. If you watch the base running blunder the, the other day, it cost them a shot to go to the world series. And, you know, I know Zach, you're a big believer in base running and, and teaching that and how important it is, but it, it really goes back to that. It's, it's how they enter and exit the classroom how they interact with each other in the classroom, um, you know, even how they turn in assignments, what the expectation of assignments are, um, you know, what, what are you expecting them to do? And sometimes you find that, you know, you give them an assignment, you give the instructions, it goes back to that communication. Not all students may understand really what you mean or how you want it delivered to you uh, and then, or what they're supposed to, you know, what product they're supposed to, to be working on to, to show you that they've mastered whatever you're, you're asking them to do. And I think just being clear and open and getting feedback and, uh, and, and finding different ways to communicate and, and relay that information is so key. That, and they'll learn those little skills that you're modeling as a teacher. They'll be able to use that and pick up on that as they're dealing with, you know, not only in your classroom, but in life. And that's really what it's about. It sure is. And uh, that is super, super important. Uh, and I, that's something I, I try my best to do every day is, is to be a good role model for them because they may not have those role models outside of school. And I think that's um, what I'm after, uh, certainly. Um, so I know we're getting close here to uh, the hour, uh, hour limit that I try to have for everybody because I know it's also a weeknight. Um, hey, I, I can keep right on going, Zach. <laughs> oh, same here. I love it. I, I do have one more thing that I want to – I do – you talked about philosophy, and I started thinking about it. And I think it, it really goes back, you know, you're meeting the needs of all the students. But the academic focus, you know, when the students and, – and a couple of the administrative placements that I've had, um, it really was the turnkey for the success of the student – and, and, the, and the teachers, like I say, the teachers work hard and the administrators are working hard. And it's kind of like the rowing the boat theory is everybody rowing in the same direction and for the right cause. Um, what we found is a lot of times it was the, instead of pointing the fingers at the things you can't change, uh, like, you know, I call them the, the big rocks. Some of those things that you just can't, it's going to take a lot of time to tackle. But really the point is, is that, you know, if you have that expectation that the students are going to come to school and they're going to, they're going to be in an environment where, yeah, their needs are going to be met 
and you know social emotional is such a big big uh, piece now in, in schools and, and working with students through that but still having that expect expectation of you know you're going to come to my class I, i'm going to make sure that all your needs are met but we're expecting you that you're going to be doing this classwork and i'm going to provide the environment where you're going to be successful and you're also going to understand whatever content knowledge that, that we're going to be teaching if it's biology or reading, writing, arithmetic, whatever it's going to be. And I think in school turnaround, in schools that were struggling, they, the adults were looking at the students as, well, they're not conforming to my needs. And I think really the transformation was the adults have to change and make the environment conducive to where the students can be successful, but you still have to hold them to that high standard. And I think that that really is a key point to, uh, to that. And that was successful um, by, you know, being firm as an, as an administrator and saying, hey, this is how we're going to do things and really holding the teachers to that standard too. Uh, and that's important. And they understood it. And the teachers, when they understood that, their whole life changed as, as teachers because they're like, wait a minute, this, this one student was coming in and putting his head down and sleeping through the class. Now he or she understands that, hey, we're going to take care of, you know, whatever social emotional needs there are, but I still expect you to do biology and, and we're going to make you the best at biology that we're going to make you and you're going to be successful and here's what you're going to do with it. And you're going to career plan and you're going to, you know, all these things are set for you, uh, but you're, you know, I understand there's struggles and there's issues and we're going to take care of that. And I think that's so important uh, for educators to understand that it's hard and it's, it's very ever changing, but having that high standard, uh, for that student sets that tone uh, in, the, in the classroom. And it'll set their tone for, for later on in life too. They'll, they'll keep that standard when they have their own families and they're, they're in their own, own jobs and in their, in their own life. So that, that's really important. It sure is. Um, and we always have to be aware of, of who, who's in front of us. And, and we also need to know how we're going to interact with them to have success. And I, and you, it was a total, in my opinion, total mic drop moment there uh, because it's a, it's a two way, it's a two way street. I mean, it, you know, we, it, we need to, the teachers need to help the students and vice versa. I, I depend on my students as much as they depend on me. <laughs> that's, that's the truth. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, to go in there and, and, and think that, you know, we need to be macho and all that. No, we just need to be ourselves no. earlier. I learned so much about myself working with students <laughs> and, you know, and that, it really, it really makes you grow as a person too, when you're, when you're in that environment. That's right. That's right. And, and I think earlier you mentioned uh, a few resources. So my last, my last question here is uh, what are some of your favorite resources that you would suggest to listeners to dive into? I'm a big Todd Whitaker fan. I really like Todd Whitaker. Um, it's, it's, it's a good, it's a good resource. Um, you know, the books are, are practical and, uh, you know, anything that, that he writes, uh, is, is pretty good. I, I send some of that stuff to uh, a few of the folks that I'm working with now and, and especially in times of, uh, not that there's anything going on outside in the, in the world that would disrupt your daily uh, day, but uh, you know, it, when you're at that educational uh, role and you're trying to manage in times of, you know, of COVID and, and all the, all that situation that's going on, people are stressed and they need to know that there's some strategies out there 
but my greatest resource are the are the relationships and the folks that I've I've built over my career. Uh, you know, I have I have my success is their success because I use all the resources, all the folks that I have been around in my career. I can pick the phone up and call them and say, hey, I need some help or I know somebody who needs some help and they're experts at it. Uh, and sometimes it's just good to call people and they have a good ear that I can talk to or vice versa. Uh, that's the greatest resource that you can have is, is the friends and relationships that you can trust people uh, and their, their expertise. Um, and, and I use them all the time, all the time. Yeah. That's awesome. And, and that's so true. Uh, those that we come in contact with, they're just a wealth of knowledge and wealth of experience. Oh, yeah. That I, I was fortunate. I, I got to meet a lady from um, Australia and she was kind of like the, the Bill Daggett in Australia. Okay. She was the, the you know, expert on education. And I, I got an opportunity to go to, to Harvard and study. A friend of mine, Justin Boggs, and I, we went up uh, for about eight days and Ralph Keegan, Dr. Ralph Keegan put on uh, a school improvement uh, professional development uh, and there was folks from all over the world and uh, what a neat opportunity that was. There was there was board members from from the United States that were in different like Texas and different places like that. There was a group of 50 and you know we got to talk to these these folks and it was like man what and I asked the lady from Australia, I said, why are you here? And she said, well, I want to study what you guys are doing so we get better. And I'm thinking, you know, that's what it's about. You're always trying to find that edge. You're trying to, you know, build that think tank, build those resources. And I thought, wow, you know, that resonates. This lady's like, I mean, she, like I say, she's the Bill Daggett of, of uh, you know, of Australia. And you know, she's still trying to learn and be that lifelong learner. And I think that's, that's great advice. It's always always trying to, to build those resources and continue to learn yourself. And, um, you know, I've just, I've been blessed. I have, I've had, I was telling somebody the other day, education has taken me to places I never thought I would get to go. And uh, it's, it's been a really impactful um, career for me. And that's, and that at the end of the day, um, that's all you can ask. I mean, this is a wonderful job. If it's your passion, if it's your passion, it's a wonderful job. It's tough. Yeah. It's not all roses. That's for sure. It's not. <laughs> no, it's not. It's hard. Yeah, it, it really is, but it's so worthwhile. Uh, I couldn't imagine, uh, I couldn't imagine doing anything else. I, I, I wake up on the weekends and I enjoy the weekends, but it gets to the point where I'm like, man, I wish I was teaching my kids right now. Yeah. I wish I had them. Uh, but Brian, it's been a pleasure. I mean, it's been a pleasure to have you on and you know what? I, I, need to have you on again because hey hey i'll zach if you want to talk anytime i'll well, if you want to get specific on anything or we can talk in general i'd love to have you have uh, love to come back on and and talk to you all that would be awesome uh dr lewis do you have any questions for brian no questions but thank you this was a lot of good information for our students who are on tonight so thank you very much thank you dr lewis for for having me yeah this was uh this was awesome again thank you I need to have you on again because this is uh, see, this is pure gold. So uh, this is uh, as uh, Coach Jeremy Sheetinger of Georgia Gwinnett College would say, uh, pure Zoom and audio gold. And that's, <laughs> that's right. Hey, we're doing the best we can, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. 
Well, everyone, thanks for listening. And we will be back next week. And Brian, thank you so much. I appreciate it. All right. Thank you, Zach. Thank you, guys. And good luck. Thank you.